Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 76th episode of Podcasty Mastered. I'm Chelsea, and I'm here with Wade as always. And we have now entered the month of May. And this episode and the next two episodes are all going to be part of like a series celebrating the month of May, which is also Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, or AAPI Month. And so our next three episodes are going to be dedicated uh, highlighting different Asian American works from books to movies to video games. And I know that AAPI Month celebrates such a wide and diverse diaspora. So, you know, we're only going to be able to dive in a short little piece, but we're excited to share some things with you guys. Maybe you'll learn something. We would love to hear your suggestions on any things that we might have missed, things we want to cover in the future. But for this episode, we are going to be covering mainly a book, which is Farewell to Manzanar which is written by Jean Wakatsuki Houston and James D. Houston, a husband and wife. And before we like kind of dive into this topic, I think discussing like that, particularly this book, Farewell to Manzanar, I think is probably one of the most like popular books on the subject of the unjust incarceration of Japanese Americans during World War II. And this is a personally for topic for me that's like really like near and dear to my heart. I am a Japanese American. I am a what's considered a gosei. I'm a fifth generation, so my great great grandparents were immigrants from Japan. And this particular situation, like in Farewell to Manzanar, is something that is a part of my family history as well. I had three generations incarcerated. They were in Amache, which was one of the quote internment camps in Colorado. But I feel like we can kind of just dive in a little bit more to this book and kind of like a little bit of background because this is a real part of history. And I think like, Wade, I feel like at least for me, I remember in school, like we kind of like covered it a little bit, but I'm not really sure how much like, at least in my schooling, we didn't quite dive too much into this topic. No, it was the same for me. Uh, Like in my history classes, we talked a lot about World War II. <laughs> and, you know, like the bombing of Pearl Harbor, like who doesn't talk about those things? Um, but mm-hmm. I I didn't get any any experience on this particular like side of the war um, until uh, an English class I took where we read Farewell to Manzanar. And that was my first experience, like knowing that America did did this. I, I had no idea. Um, it was like reading through the book was just from for me at the age of like 15 16 whatever i might have been mm-hmm. which is absolutely mind blowing yeah and it's really interesting because honestly like farewell to manstar i actually just read this book for the podcast like this is something that we never had to read in school or anything um what we did do it was in my english class we read we had an excerpt from the book like the first chapter mm-hmm. we had a book that had like various books and that's all we discussed with that and i think maybe Maybe in middle school, we kind of briefly touched about it and like history class being like World War Two, you know, we're going to discuss everything else for like months on end. But then we're also going to mention, you know, Japanese Americans were also like incarcerated in the United States and then moved on from that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? It's Hello? just, yeah, it's, um, excuse me. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's just a thing that's, I think even still today that I think is something that's not quite as talked about, but I feel like almost more that they're are even more books that are coming out now about this more people are speaking about on the subject because it's still relevant today in so many ways absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. so 
I will mention that this book surprised me because this book is actually really old, Farewell to Manzanar, which makes sense because she is like, what, like nine or so in the book? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So Farewell to Manzanar came out in 1973. That is bonkers. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just crazy. And I felt like this is the book that like I've either heard about or many people have heard about and maybe never read or did read. And like that became like the staple of like explaining this experience during World War II. Now, Wade, do you want to kind of help what we can explain like kind of in general, like the story of the author in this? Because this is considered a memoir too. This is like a real story about uh, Jean's life. Right. Yes. So the story takes place, um, 41, I think it is like it's kind of vaguely where she starts it. Um, and mm-hmm. Jean and her family, so her mom, her dad, um, her grandma and her eight siblings, I think it was. Yeah. She, she talks about their life like before the war um, and just kind of what it was like uh, being Japanese American like that early. Um, which at that time for her, she, I think she talks about how like it just, it wasn't a thing. She was just a normal person living mm-hmm. a normal life as a, as any normal kid would. Um, and it wasn't until the start, like the bombing of Pearl Harbor, that people started to look at her because of her race. Mm-hmm. And before that, her race was never talked about. It was never a problem. Like she wasn't even like in in a in neighborhoods with other people of her race. Like yeah, yeah, and it was just so much ingrained in her family, just being like you know, the American experience. They were just American and just mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. living just like any other family. And yeah. then just yeah. Now like her her dad was she was a she was a Nisei, um, right second generation. Like her dad yes. was from Japan. Like her mom was from Hawaii. I think. They talk about that like way later in the book, but her dad is from Japan, um, but her mom was from Hawaii. Um, and so he came in, he moved to America, met her, met her mom. And that's kind of how their, their family started. Um, but like all the kids, they've never known anything but just being American. Mm-hmm. And just speaking mainly English. Too. Yeah, yeah, speaking English. And they didn't even like follow hardly any um, Japanese traditions or anything outside of like just little pieces from her grandma and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a real culture shock to her in the sense because, I mean, I think just anybody that went through this experience, but also just her being so young and just having lived, you know, just, I quote, like, normal life. And then, like, yeah, after, like you said, the bombing of Pearl Harbor changing everything for her because then right around that time, which was something that was pretty common, was that the government started looking for people who they considered specifically, like, quote, threats, people that they thought that were traitors to the United States. And so they started rounding up a lot of some, like many of the men, many of the men that were kind of in positions of power, what they seemed to be of organizations of churches of whatnot. And her dad is one of them that does get sent away, which by the FBI. And he's like a fisherman. Mm-hmm. He's just but a they fisherman. Thought he was yeah, like, mm-hmm. like giving uh like oil away to Japanese submarines or something like that. Yeah, as what they claimed. Yeah, the government claims so they brought him and then they put him into a what was kind of a different area i i trying to remember the exact word for it a like more of a legit prison which it was wild to say yeah. that like they was into a prison camp in north dakota yeah and they're from like southern california like that's where they yeah. lived they took him far away yeah and i think it's called fort leakin which that place actually still exists today 
and it's like a museum you can visit and it's one of the interesting things is like their website does not talk about that they incarcerated people of japanese descent there or anybody during the war that they thought was deemed a threat by them yeah but it because it had been used like that particular location is a fort so it's been used since like the lewis and clark expedition Mm -hmm. but then because their father who and especially a lot of during that time, it's considered like, you know, the male figure, the head of the household, the one who keeps the family together, gets the finances. Like, um, Jean had older brothers, older siblings, and they all moved to a different area called Terminal Island, which was a huge, like, culture shock to her because she had never been around other people who were Japanese and Japanese-Americans. Then that was a big deal because at the beginning of 1942, President Roosevelt made his executive order 9066 which said they're established an exclusion zone and deemed that people of Japanese descent were a danger and needed to be rounded up and put into hard to reach areas into things that they deemed were called camps. So that also affected Jean and her family during this time who had been in Terminal Island and they were sent to one of the 10 like internment camps. They were sent to Manzanar, hence the name of the book, Farewell to Manzanar. Now, I did mention at the beginning of the episode, like, I had family that was in Amache, so I, it's really interesting to find out where these other camps were. I'm not sure, Wade, if you're familiar with any of the other ones. Mm-mm, I'm not. So Manzanar is located in California. Mm-hmm. It's, like, in the mountain area on, like, the eastern side of California. Amache is in the southeastern portion of Colorado. And there were two of them that were in Arkansas that were Rower and Jerome. And what's kind of interesting, like what these areas are, like the mountains and like the very odd corners of different places, they wanted these to be like, like deserted areas, like middle of nowhere. There was like nothing around, just like barren land. The other camps include like relocation centers is also the name that the government gave them. They thought it was a nicer term, but it's (laughs) unjust incarceration. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There were two in Arizona, Gila River and Poston. Then you had one in Utah called Topaz. There was also another one in California, Tule Lake and Heart Mountain in Wyoming and Minidoka in Idaho. I think that's all 10 of them. So they were... Some of them were, yeah, as far east as Arkansas to still just on the eastern side of California. And before many were sent to these, like, main 10 locations, they were also sent to places that were called assembly centers. And I can't remember if she actually mentions this in the book or not. I think it's something that she kind of glosses over. I want to say that she doesn't spend a lot of time on it, but I think, like, they get on a bus and that takes them to a place um and mm-hmm. like she's like she recalls like i thought we were going to be living there and like um mm-hmm. and we could do these things and it was kind of nice because i could see my friends and um even though like there wasn't any place to actually live we all just kind of like stayed in this thing together but they put them there so they could kind of like divvy them up yeah and these places like like to like really put them in this perspective a lot of these places were just like horse tracks or something like barns and everything like people were like living in stalls like these weren't like full housing eventually some of them they started building kind of like barracks but they were just bare-boned like loosely put together just like places and then from there then they were uh sent off to places like she is sent to manzanar and like these are like these were like considered by military standards they were just put together by the military of being like rough like little barracks of just 
plain rooms, single light bulb, um, not very well placed. Like there's no installation really, just like wooden buildings put together. Holes in the wall. The walls don't mm-hmm. come down all the way to the floor. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And then they were just given a cot to sleep on and like a blanket. And like they had to find their own like kind of like stuffing and stuff for their pillows and everything or, or like their bedding because they weren't given anything else. And they had like a mess hall for food. Yeah. Like they would get, they would be given food like off a truck and they could eat in the mess hall, but there like wasn't space to go back to your little um, (laughs) hole in the wall. I mean, there wasn't, it was because each family got one room, you know, of that barrack. Um, So, ugh. Yeah. And to clarify, like family, like the government chose how to divide you up and that could include anything like your immediate family or you could be sharing a room with like who knows like they Mm -hmm. were just open rooms and all these people are supposed to live together and so people had to get creative and make some type of thing which also goes into detail that it really changes like the dynamic of all these families because there was all that sense of like community of being around a meal that's something i think a lot of people are familiar with and just you know having those time together as a family but then being forced to like not have enough space of like basically just like where you sleep at and then eating in mess halls and then people just eating with other people not necessarily their family because they had friends and everything and just it really affected not just like mentally emotionally and just it changed a lot of things for these families yeah and she she talks a lot about that like from like the moment they got there like her family who used to be super close and all nine kids and everything and they because they were forced together so much, um, mm-hmm. they were forced to like they were forced to to leave their little barrack so they could have space um, where they met new friends and like they wouldn't eat together anymore. Sometimes they couldn't eat together. You know, it was just she talks a lot about how her family just started to split up and they never really. It, it took she said it took them years afterwards to to like mm-hmm. recreate those those familial bonds and stuff like that. Yeah, it just completely like, yeah, shattered all those things, things that everybody were used to and just changed their way of life. Um, Like, and it shows like when people are thrust in this situation, people, you know, it's a terrible situation and people just try to make the best of it. So, you know, she does talk about, you know, like having fun and hanging out with friends and doing things. But, you know, it's they have to make the best like it's like within the the lens of this. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, she's also so young too. And like children, like this is like, you just can't fully imagine what that being like, just and fully understanding because I think like she even talks about in the book, like, because this is book is written in the 70s. And she's clearly like much older than she was in the 40s. And it's just more of her also just like looking at her life in a different lens, just reflecting and also commenting about like, this is actually what was going on during this time, or, you know, this was happening. And it's just which I also think is a really interesting way to look at this book too, because it's not just like simply t- saying like, you know, what's happened. It's her reflecting on what her thoughts were at the time, but also reflecting on now that she's older, realizing more of what was happening. And it's just, and it's such a mess because I mean, this lasted what, like two years, something around that three years. Yeah. Um, it was like 42 to 45. In that time though, like whatever people had before, they were taken um it just it was gone um the Mm -hmm. government claimed it if you had if they had businesses property whatever like it was not there when they were allowed to come back 
um in in mo- like the older people like the first second generation people they weren't they weren't allowed to be citizens even like they had no protections <laughs> anyway so like the, the kids who were born in america you know they were american citizens so they had something that they could kind of rely on but like their parents they had nothing there was no protection given to them because they they weren't allowed to be citizens of the country they there was no test they could take there was nothing mm-hmm. so she talked and she talks a lot about how how difficult it was like for her parents when they finally were able to leave and like they never fully recovered like her parents specifically because they were just so old at that point they just they had nothing to go back to yeah exactly because they were so old like because her parents like her dad specifically had chosen to like make a life in the united states has had really worked up had really you know, try to save up, make a living, be able to support a family. And then when they were sent off to Manzanar, like, they also couldn't bring that many things with them. And it's also really unfortunate. There's also other stories where, like, they would ask, like, a neighbor or friends and families, there would be people who'd be like, hey, can you, like, take care of our house or our land? Well, like, you know, the area where we live while we're gone or hold on to our stuff. And unfortunately, a lot of families lost stuff because their houses became ransacked or destroyed or like the areas they had been living had been taken over by other people. And you're right. Like, so after the government just uplifts these people, tells them to get rid of all their stuff and then says, okay, go back into the world. And it was like, what, like 110,000 people. It wasn't like like a small amount of people. It was, no, it was tons. Mm -hmm. Significant portion. And then just have them try to reassimilate to society after spreading hate and lies and everything saying they're all traitors and then saying good luck right because like when um she talks about how like when she was able to leave and she was able to go like back to school and stuff like the amount of racism um that she (laughs) faced like after that was just utterly like sickening um which she didn't have to face any before because (laughs) nobody looked at her differently and then after the war um, it was just, she was never included in anything. Um, like, she wasn't even allowed to be a part of, like, her local Girl Scouts troop. Oh my gosh, that really got to me. Oh. I cannot believe that. Like, it was the stupidest th- little things, and it's just because of, mm-hmm. you know, casual racism. And just, yeah, outright, yeah. That everybody just held on to for so long. Yeah. But it's also something interesting, too, and I think it's, like... She gives so many, like, I think any memoirs, like, it's just amazing what people are willing to share and, like, have the world read and just, like, you know, this isn't some, like, shiny, like, you know, happy story of, like, bad to good and everything. Like, she covers everything. She talks about, like, the difficulties within her family and the struggles and how her dad was not really a great person and was abusive and everything and had to live with that and how... The conditions and living in Manzanar made those things a lot worse for her family and that, you know, there's struggle and things and her feelings about dealing with other people and differences and it's just, and this is something too that, I mean, yeah, like we said, this affects like, you know, like over 100,000, 120,000 plus people, like, and I think for like this to be like one of the main big stories that are out about this, like this is something a lot of people kept hidden, didn't want to talk about it. I mean, it's understandable to be such like a terrible situation to be and not want to talk about it but people also being brave enough to share their stories so that people know about this part of history that many may not know of it's in the fact that it that we did this like on on our own soil to our yeah. own people it's just 
Um, because I like she talks about it in the book, but um, there's a huge court case, and I can't remember who it was who brought it to to the courts. But but this this man was like, this is not happening to German Americans, to Russian Americans, to Italian Americans. This isn't happening to any of them. So why is the why is this only happening to Japanese Americans? Mm-hmm. Like why are they the enemy specifically, when the vast majority of the people that were taken are are american citizens natural american mm-hmm. citizens and the fact at the beginning the um gov- like the courts were like it's justified it's wartime it's Things fine need yep. to be done yeah. you gotta do what you gotta do I'm like mm, no not cool and like yeah there because there was more than one person who stood up and tried to fight in the courts and then eventually the courts towards the end of the war i believe that's specifically when they said like yeah okay yeah i guess we don't we, we, don't, yeah, we don't need to be we doing don't need this. these anymore <laughs> yeah like it's fine yeah and then it became kind of more like oh let's quickly erase the stain in our history let's get these people out of these places like go back like to your homes that no longer exist and go out into the world and find a new job find some place that will allow you to live there because that's another thing too like it was restrictions not only on like um people of japanese descent like like especially like yeah the first generations those who came over and everything like being able to become citizens but also there were restrictions on like if you could own property like where you lived like almost like having permission because of all the racism and just things like that and then yeah like erasing everything so like once like they were quickly trying to get like everyone out of all these like camps then they started like destroying them so like today there's not really much out there if you go to any of these locations that shows like these places existed there might be places where you can go where there might be like a little bit of a foundation and stuff like some of the land is like owned by like it's private now like people use it for farmland like for example in arkansas like where the two um were located most of it is considered farmland there's like a little bit of park that or part that has like a plaque that says like this like recognizing this was once there there are some, though, that are fortunate to be a part of the, like, park service, the National Park Service. Like, Amache, for example, just became a national national historic site. And so, like, some of them have, like, rebuilt, like, one of the barracks so that you can go inside and you can truly see, like, how people were forced to live during this time and, like, how truly small they were. But there's some, for example, too, which is also an interesting part of history, is that, like, in Arizona, Gila River is considered to be a part of, like, Gila River, like, Indian Reservation. Oh, so our government they can't took they land like, from oh they took land from from those areas to do that oh my gosh and then put people there and let's then just double up then it's like, it's fine <laughs> yeah it's just, we're being racist let's be real racist <laughs> yeah oh my gosh and just so many things like that but yeah like a lot of those things yeah there's like nothing there but well i i love the fact that at the end of the book she like you know she's like uh her early 40s i think at this point where she takes her kids and mm. her husband um to the mm-hmm. site of manzanar where she's like finally ready to to like talk to her like her oldest kid about it who's only like like 11 or something like that i think yeah um, but they they take their kids there and and she's finally able to like kind of let go of all of that that mm-hmm. trauma and fear and stuff that she had when she was a little kid yeah and i think because that was also something really interesting i thought in this book because she talked about how they got to go like camping they had their privileges to allow to to leave outside because a thing mentioning too who that may not be familiar like like all these places were surrounded by barbed wire there were guard towers like 
with guards with guns pointed inside, ensuring people didn't leave, except for the few occasions they were allowed to leave because they eventually allowed some of them to work jobs or, as she explains in the book, to, like, go camping for a night in the creepy part of the mountains. Yeah, right. Oh my <laughs> gosh, yeah. Uh, I was like, oh no. Uh, that was unsettling. That was, that was a part... <laughs> Yes, yes, oh. it was. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and, like, you dare to go further into the mountains? I'm like, no, please, please don't. That that sounds concerning. But I don't know. I think just, like, I, so I'm curious your thoughts, like, wait, because you said you read this when you were in school and then you mm-hmm. read it again now. Like, were there things that, I don't know, like, how was it, like, reading it again after all these years? It Well, it, it reminded me of what was in the book. Cause it's been a, it's been quite a while, <laughs> but it I the whole time I I listened to it on audiobook, and just the whole time it just it just brought back those same like somber feelings of just just bewilderment that that people could have just let this happen like things got so bad as far as like their own like racially charged fears and stuff like that and pushing national security a little too far. And things like that, just in the amount of like attempted brainwashing they tried to do during that time period too. Like, <laughs> you know, they were trying to like gaslight these like the poor Japanese Americans into saying that they were still loyal to Japan and stuff. But it's like these people were not; they had never been. Most of them didn't even know mm-hmm. if they had family in Japan. It was like they were yeah. trying to just push these ideals so heavily. Like, well, you have to be though, right? Like, you must have some kind of loyalty to your emperor things like that it's just like that is just that is just oh it's messed up yeah i was just it was one of the books that like because like i said i I only had to read an excerpt in school it was always one of those books that i was like i would eventually like to read because i've heard so much about it and just reading it now and just like knowing a little bit more about this part in our history it's just crazy and just i don't know it's just leaves me speechless it's just like so yeah sad and just but just amazing how much she's like was willing to share about her life and just I think having memoirs of like this and stuff are so important because I think in also like I remember like yeah in elementary school middle school high school like there were also other memoirs about you know people that were in concentration camps in Europe that were affected by the holocaust and everything there are other books too that like that make these things so much more real like they having that like real person connection to this like really shows that like these things happened and this is an actual human being that experienced these and like it's not okay and you know because i think that's something to just reflecting like yeah learning history in school i think sometimes there's i always feel like you know sometimes there's like might be a little boring or there's that disconnect but then just being able to have like specific like people and their stories like connected to it well yeah well these are the things that that teach sympathy and and sometimes empathy Mm -hmm. if you have a more personal connection to it um but these are the things these are the kinds of emotions that history should invoke like pride pride for a country or a nation or a people like those things are good and they're useful but it's these things it's it's the these awful things that happen in history they teach us what not to do what not to get close to and and that's a lot especially like these days i feel like kids don't take um they don't take those things to heart as much um because the world now is such a small place for them with the with the access to everything that they have access to it's just 
they they just don't they don't get the same kind of thing i think yeah and like related to this topic like you know this is like an actual novel that's a memoir but i have seen in recent years like covering the same subject there have been graphic novels about this like different ways of trying to either meet those younger audiences or Mm -hmm. other people to absolutely because in fact uh there specifically one called they called us enemy which was co-written with george takei and it is based on his experiences so speaking because we are basically like a nerdy podcast and everything but we do cover you know books and but also like saying like george takei many people might know him from his role in star trek and he has been outspoken on a variety of topics and he was imprisoned in in Arkansas. And so actually at that, which I think is Rower, and then went to Tule Lake after that. And so he actually like invested um, as part of like one of the experiences actually in Arkansas. I have I gotten a chance to visit both of those locations there. And there are different like kiosks that talks about like the land and like what was where and everything because there's nothing there. It's just farmland. And he actually has like audio recordings. You could listen to him describing what he remembers as a child there as also just wow. that's like an interesting connection. But I don't know if, if you had a chance to read anything else because one of the other books that I read was called uh, Gasa Gasa Girl Goes to Camp, which Gasa Gasa kind of means like restless, which kind of describes. So this author, um, her name is Lily Yuriko Nakai um, Havy. I was really excited to get this book. I got this for Christmas because she also was in Amache. So just having that extra connection, like with my family being in Amache as well, and just like hearing her. This was a really interesting book because she's an artist. So she also reflected on in her experience because she was also a child, like in her like 10, 11, 12, like early, like preteens. And so a lot of her artwork, like watercolors, are her just reflecting on her time in Amache and just they're like these really unique, abstract, like combination of all these images of just like just yeah, just her raw feelings. And then she started writing more about her specific stories. And like she goes into a lot of detail in this book. Like this book is also like it's a heavy topic, but she's also like funny. Like this is like a real person, <laughs> a real child. Like she's dealing with the trauma with a little bit of humor. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she's a child, so she's, like, she's also not, like, a, you know, little, like, goody two-shoes or anything. She's more of, like, a little rebellious and being, like, I don't want to do that. Ew. No. Like, (laughs) and just, like, causing mischief and stuff. So, it's just, it was really, like, it's bad to say, like, a joy to read this, but it was just really nice to just, like, just read another story about Mm -hmm. this. And Mm -hmm. one where also includes art as well into it, which is really interesting. I'd really like to read the um the Takei book. Uh, I've had mm. it I've had it on a wish list for quite a while. Um, I've just haven't gotten around to pick it up. But but after this episode, it in in rereading Farewell to Manzanar, I might I might need to. I yeah, it's one I've never read either. But definitely, it's one that's been on my watch list for a while. And there's so many other ones that have come out recently too. Um, I might as well just name a few for our listeners if you're curious about picking up any of these books or anything. Uh, another graphic novel is called We Hereby Refuse. There's also like No No Boy, which that was a big deal, which I think you kind of mentioned, Wade, about how there was a big questionnaire that that became a big deal. And there were <laughs> yes, people yes. who were considered. Yes, no. Yes. No, yes. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is just so insulting. You're already in that position and then be like, will you hereby like forever and always never like be like revoke your citizenship to japan and then being like will you fight in the military and there were 
which rightly so they're already prisoned in the situation and then being like we need you like you better say yes yes because if you say no no they're gonna round you up and a lot of people then got sent off to what was considered more of the hard labor the hardcore intensive location for defying the government and and in this book they go in they she goes into that a lot because her um her oldest brother was was issued this this survey Mm. um and Mm -hmm. and but and he was like well maybe i should join the american army you know maybe i should join the military maybe that'll help our family out and maybe they'll let us go and her dad is like you're stupid because he wanted he didn't but i mean as as we've said, her dad was kind of not great. Um, but he was like, you can't say yes, yes, because then like, like the more rowdy people here in the camps, like they'll kill you for thinking you're some kind of traitor. To what exactly? <laughs> Nobody can really say because like, again, like these are just normal people. Nobody was like for Japan. But I love the way that like she talked about how her dad would talk about it. And like, because they were, they would always ask like who, like, your, is your loyalty with Japan? Is your loyalty to America? Well, it has to be mm-hmm. this way, right? Surely, because you're Japanese. But and her dad was said something about the fact, like, well, um, do your does your mom and dad argue at home? When they argue at home, do you want them to kill each other, or do you just want them to stop fighting? Mm-hmm. Like that, I the way that they talk about that in the book yeah. is because her dad like her dad is the only person who really has any kind of i guess loyalty to japan because like his family mm-hmm. still lives in japan um not yeah. that and and they get to the point of the book where they actually think he's dead so it doesn't matter to them anyway but um cuz like he never gets to go back to visit and they just like once he leaves for america they're just kind of like ah oh, he's dead to us anyway so it's whatever mm-hmm. but yeah her her brother is issued this this kind of ultimatum in a sense too. And I think he does eventually join the military. Yes. Like, like after the mm-hmm. fact, like they all get to like go home, but he goes off to join this branch. And like mm-hmm. another brother goes off to join this branch, I think, or, or maybe like one of her sister's husbands goes off or something like that. I don't remember. Yeah, no, that's true. And mentioning like the military too, because like, I think I've actually mentioned on the podcast before, because there was another book I had read last year Facing the Mountain by Daniel James Brown, which was about the 442nd Regiment, which was the Japanese American Regiment, regiment, which was the most decorated regiment in World War II. And so that with also there was, I think it was the 100th Battalion out of Hawaii. And and I think just adds to that with like her brother and Farewell to Manson are just, you know, wanting to prove their loyalty and show like, you know, they are American. They're supporting Americans in the war and they're fighting for their country anyway that's another book and then because there's a lot of books that are like memoirs and autobiographies and stuff there's a uh, one book that is probably one of my most like one of my favorite books ever it's called hotel in the corner of bitter and sweet which is actually a work of fiction but it also details that with a chinese american man and a japanese american woman and their stories from their childhood and their separation due to world war ii and her incarceration and then they're like meeting up years later and reflecting on their lives and all their changes and stuff like that it's it is a bittersweet story that sounds like it yeah i oh my gosh i think i like cried nonstop in like the like third half of the book like it was just it's just an intense story and just yeah but it's it's a really well done book which 
that author is Jamie Ford. And he's written a couple other books as well. But I definitely think I've seen so much more books and people who have family connections and whatnot, just, you know, telling their stories, telling more about these historical moments. And so, yeah, there's definitely a lot out there. And we'll post some of this on social media. We'll post the books that we read and everything and pictures. And uh, listeners, you can let us know if you've ever heard any of these, if you've read them, or if you are interested in reading some of them, or if they're ones that we missed that you would like us to check out as well (laughs) or or if your family has um some kind of tie-in um to what we're talking Mm -hmm. about today like tell us your stories tell us your thoughts on the matter um share with us all of these things yeah but listeners thank you for listening to this episode we know it was you know more of a darker serious subject but we hope you enjoyed it or learned something as well and you know as i mentioned at the top of this episode we're going to be celebrating asian american pacific islander month so i will give a tease our next one will be slightly more lighthearted. we will be covering a movie this movie was a pretty big movie that came out a couple of years ago so listeners you can also let, you, let us know if you can guess which very popular movie this is so with that as always so you don't miss out on an episode be sure to follow or subscribe or every listen to this podcast and yeah share this with a friend and you know follow us on our social media we're on facebook twitter and instagram at pod demastered send us an email at demasteredpodcast at gmail.com as always thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and we hope you tune in to the next one <laughs>